You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's time for your weekly trip around the bases with your hometown team. It's Inside Twins, where we dive into the minds of the guys in charge for insight, information, and analysis. Inside Twins is brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Here's your host of Inside Twins, Corey Provis. Oh, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Inside Twins, live today from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City, Missouri, on a spectacular weather Sunday here at the K, we've had great weather all weekend long and more of the same today. Twins and the Royals wrap up this four-game weekend series. It'll be Bartolo Colon today for the Twins and lefty Jason Vargas on the mound for the Royals. I'm Corey Provis. We're going to be joined here shortly by Twins GM Thad Levine for our Sunday program. But an exciting day ahead as we uh, wrap up this series and this road trip coming up at about uh, 1.15 Central Time. The uh, Twins did lose last night 5-2 with that. Uh, though they still maintain that second wild card spot right now in the standings. The Angels were blown out on the road in Seattle, so the Angels remain two back. The teams that picked up ground were the Royals and also the Mariners, and the Royals are three and a half back, Seattle three back, closer to the Twins. The Angels again two back, the Rangers two and a half back, Baltimore three back, and the O's and the Indians play the primetime game tonight. Cleveland, of course, has won 17 straight, 86 wins. And now the Indians, in fact, they're tied with the Astros for the best record in the American League. Think about how far the Tribe have come. Now two long winning streaks will do that. They had a nine-game winning streak not long out of the All-Star break and now 17 in a row. And they can make it 18 tonight as they take on the Baltimore Orioles. Twins lineup today does include Joe Maurer. You always wonder if Joe will play against left-handed pitchers and Maurer has great numbers lifetime against Jason Vargas so yeah Joe is going to play today but not at first base he will be the DH and uh, Kenny Vargas will start at first base and bat seventh here for game four so we're going to wait on Thad Levine he should join us here any minute so we'll uh, take our first break right now and hopefully Thad will be with us here in the booth as we come back from this commercial break it's Inside Twins brought to you by Continental Diamond Home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. More of our Sunday program next on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond. Home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Corey Probus back with you, still awaiting Thad Levine's arrival here in the the radio booth at Kauffman Stadium. So Chris Atterbury, kind enough to join us here uh, for this segment. And Hurricane Irma, Chris, is on the mind of of millions. And it, it is certainly impacting Twins territory, a topic that came up on the Paul Molitor Show this morning. Yeah, I think this our traveling group, right, that's been the, the theme is that when you get on the bus, when you come into the lobby, everyone's got the phone out, and they're not tweeting and they're not texting. They're looking at radar. And so many members of the traveling party and other Twins family are directly affected by what's going on. And the constant questions have been, is it going west? Is it going east? Where is it going to be? Now, James Rousen's already gone back. I think the story is well documented about Jeff Smith. His wife is running one of the shelters down there. Perry Castellano's family. You know, Joe Mauer has a home down there. Um, there's so many members of this of this group who are just their whole lives could be turned upside down in the course of the next six to eight hours. Burt Blylevin, our colleague, uh, you know, he's on the the phone constantly with with Gail, hold up in their apartment in Fort Myers. So it, it's remarkable to me how this group has managed to 
focus on baseball and this life-changing event all at the same time because just because that's going on, they're still getting the work done, the preparation in, and it showed in these these closely fought ball games. So it, it's been quite a quite an ordeal. And even going back to last week, and this was something that was on the minds of Twins Latin American players, yep. guys like Eddie Rosario and Kenny Vargas and Jose Barrios, and the Twins, of course, with so many members of their organization that are from the Dominican, they were impacted by this horrible storm not long ago yeah and, and you know and there's another one coming i spoke with kenny vargas yesterday about what was going on in puerto rico and, and i talked to brad style today and thankfully the academy of the dominican was spared any major damage down there just trying to get players home you forget that through the minor league seasons wrapping up and whatnot there are a lot of people from a lot of different parts of the world that have to get home and this has made that very difficult i think the twins front office has been incredibly proactive in trying to to help and it doesn't matter if you're a superstar big leaguer or if you're, uh, you know, a non-roster guy at the lowest level of the organization, you're a human being and, and you're equally important in the eyes of the, the organization to try to make sure that you and your family are as safe as possible. Uh, before we take our, our next break, uh, Dave St. Peter sent this tweet out this morning saying that the uh, CenturyLink Sports Complex has been evacuated. Uh, Lee County will utilize the CenturyLink Sports Complex as recovery staging area, and uh, Dave believes that the complex is located outside the surge zone so we'll be following that and we'll take a break right now thad levine has arrived we'll talk more about irma its impact presently and what the uh, forecast calls for we'll, we'll get into that with that also some baseball discussion to come inside twins brought to you by continental diamond continues next in your home for twins baseball Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, one of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. A beautiful day here in Missouri. Twins and the Royals wrap up this four-game series about an hour from now. It'll be Bartolo Colon and Jason Vargas here for game four. I'm Corey Provis, and Thad Levine is kind enough to join us now for our Sunday program. Thanks for your time. Uh, absolutely. Great, great to be here. Let, let's kind of go back, uh, Thad, and we'll, we'll get to baseball. We still have plenty of time left in the show, but real life, I think, takes importance right now when we think about Hurricane Irma. It's something that's been on the minds of millions and certainly those in Twins territory for the last week, week and a half. Yeah, I, I think that uh, all our thoughts are down in Florida, Puerto Rico, Cuba, uh, the Dominican Republic where we have players in all those places. And, you know, I, I think it's hit us up and down the organization from some of our minor league players and staff members all the way to our big leaguers. Uh, you know, I know it's really hit the guys from Puerto Rico a couple of days ago. Uh, Paul, you know, ultimately made the decision to have Rosario sit out a day uh, because I think he thought his mind was a little bit elsewhere and, and justifiably so. But a lot of our major league coaching staff is is dramatically impacted. James Rousen left the team a day ago to go down and be with his family who's in Tampa. He's got parents down there. He's got a sister down there and her family. So this is up and down the organization, and its, it's impact is going to be felt for, for years to come. In James's case, is this an open-ended ticket that – you don't have to rejoin us by by this day on the homestand. Take care of you and take care of your family before you come back up to Minneapolis. You know, I, I think a lot of people talk about the Polad family and the familial try, uh, like values that they try to implement throughout the organization. I think this is the time where they really come to light. You know, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to do it. And so exactly what you said, you know, we've told him we'd love to have you back as soon as possible. I think we view him as a competitive advantage as a coach. But there's something a lot bigger going on right now. So he needs to take care of his family and make sure he feels that they're where they need to be 
when that takes place, he'll return to the team. And this impacted the way that, that some of the playoffs have been formatted, too, with uh, with Fort Myers and also Chattanooga currently in progress. Yeah, the, the Florida State League and, and now ultimately in Chattanooga, they've, tried, they've determined that it's better to forego the championship series. So they were going to be one series shy of that. If, if we win today in Chattanooga, we'll effectively, I guess, be co-champions uh, of that league and, and Fort Myers as well. They decided it just it wasn't smart to put players in harm's way in the name of getting a championship ring, and I think those were ultimately the right decisions. And Dietrich Gans will start that game today for Chattanooga, so best of luck uh, to the lookouts. Uh, let, let's, let's keep that here before we take a break and kind of shift the conversation now back to baseball. And we will kind of stay in the minor league since we're on that topic. Alberto Mejia started yesterday. How did that go, and what's next for him? He, he pitched well, and, you know, quite frankly, he's pitched extremely well throughout this rehab stint, which has been very encouraging. And what fans need to realize is that, you know, when guys are down for as long as he was, which was really not that long, they got to build up their arm strength again. So really the exercise we've been going through, there's a quantity component, a component to it, but also a quality component. The quality's been there ever since he's been down there, but we tried to build him up so that when he comes back up, he can give uh, Paul and Neil, you know, six-plus innings in his first outing, and I think that's exactly where he is. I think he went five innings last night. It's extremely effective again. He's going to rejoin the team. He's, he's, he's on a plane now to get back up to Minneapolis, and, you know, where Paul and Neil de- determined to slot him back in the rotation is up to those guys, but our intent is to activate him and get him going again. All right, so Thursday starter still unknown at this point. It's going to be Gibson Tuesday, Santana Wednesday, and then Thursday TBA? Yeah, I think that's the way we're, we're lining it up right now. Uh, not to be playing gamesmanship at all, but we're going to take advantage of this off day. And, you know, your choice this time of year is whether or not you want to stay on turn or if you want to use that off day to give as many guys a little bit of a blow as possible. And so that's going to ultimately be up to Paul and Neil to determine. Stay with the pitcher again. A guy who uh, is, is set right now to pitch Friday on what's uh, going to be big, sexy night at, uh, at Target Field. The t-shirt, the uh, T-shirts, we saw some of those in the uh, clubhouse yesterday. That'll be a great promotion on Friday. But Bartolo's pitching here today as the Twins try to win a series. The dialogue that you and Derek were having with him and his representatives when it didn't work out with Atlanta, what were some of the trends and stats you pointed to that said, those may read ugly with the Braves, but if we bring him here, they may shift? Well, I mean, I think we felt all along like the sexy quotient never ebbed. <laughs> and, and that was a key for us. Yeah, and we were foreseeing right. this uh, giveaway night. The sexiness <laughs> per nine. You, right, you can't right, beat that. Exactly. That's right. Uh, and, that, and that's an advanced metric that we're really trying to bear down on <laughs> as an industry. Uh, all joking aside, I, I think it became a conversation with different groups of people. One was our professional scouting department and asking them, hey, what you saw with your eyes, how different was it from the last three, five, 20 years when this guy's had meaningful success? Then we married that up with an analytics look at, you know, what, what are some of the advanced metrics telling us about him? How's the spin rate? How's the arm angle? Uh, what is the action on the pitches that he has? And when those two groups came back and said, we don't think by and large it's discernibly different, I think there was a little bit of a higher walk rate, uh, a few more pitches out of the zone, but the, the conversation around the pitches in the zone was pretty similar to the performance he had had. Now, the the results weren't quite the same, but we were we were optimistic that with a guy with this type of history, he could regain that. And then we had the conversations around the guy's makeup. I think you're very sensitive when you're bringing a guy in midstream into a season, especially when you're trying to play for something special. You want to make sure he amplifies the, the skill sets of the people around him rather than detracting from them in any way, shape, or form. The ringing endorsements we got from players who had played with him, and this is once again where you tap into guys like Michael Kadire and 
and Latroy Hawkins and Torrey Hunter, guys who had played with this guy, uh, you know, in Torrey's case, or guys who had played against him for long periods of time. Uh, you get a lot of really quality information from those types of guys. Uh, we then actually talked to Irvin Santana, who ended up being one of his biggest cheerleaders. They played together in Anaheim together. Uh, they may have similar agents or have had similar agents in the past of their careers. Once we got those types of endorsements, I think it became a no-brainer for us to pursue it. And he's had a remarkable impact uh, in the clubhouse. Guys flock to him, and you, you see it. We all see it, those that, uh, that are around the team every day. It's not just pitchers. It's not just Latin American players. Uh, you know, even a guy like Zach Granite or Trevor Hildenberger, these guys flock to, to, to Bartolo, don't they? Well, you know, I, I think you look at this guy's career, and a lot is said in our game about how Domin the Dominican Republic has not produced a lot of quality starting pitching. We've got two of the best in the game. We've got two of the best in the, the, the history of the game on our team right now. And what's more to me when you look at Bartolo and, and Irvin Santana is that they both came up as power pitchers. They're now like pitchability guys. They're guys who can outsmart you on the mound. So not only have they been successful as starting pitchers, they've been successful like with two different iterations of, of being starting pitchers. I think all of our young players are flocking to them because they recognize how much they can learn from them. The other group that seems to really respond to, to Bartolo is the fans. I mean, it's, it's at home, but it's also in visiting stadiums. They really seem to find him to be an extremely endearing character. Staying with pitching, why has Kyle Gibson made such a dramatic turnaround to his season? So I, I think, you know, one conversation that Derek and I had with Kyle, and this was in spring training, we had the benefit of having scouting reports from the Texas Rangers and the Cleveland Indians, and we both almost said the exact same thing to him, which effectively was, and this may sound overly simple, but when you throw strikes, you're effective. When you don't and the hitters can eliminate certain pitches or eliminate locations of pitches, that's when you start having difficulty. I think if you look up on the scoreboard and when his strike rate is somewhere above 62%, this guy's success in the major leagues has been significant. When it's below 60%, it's, it's really been the other side of the coin, which is to say the stuff plays at the major league level. He has the ability to get major league hitters out with multiple pitches. The only thing that can inhibit his ability to get guys out is his strike throwing. So when he demonstrates and establishes is that he's going to throw the ball over the plate, He's very difficult to hit, and I think the league's shown that over the last five starts. And he's back to where his career numbers say his first pitch strike percentage normally is. He was around 52, 51 as he was going up and down, big leagues down to the minor leagues. But now as we as we chat here in mid-September, it's right around 58, 59% where he's been. And, and, and that's all the difference in the world. When you have the stuff that he has, if he can establish pitches early in counts and then get guys to chase out of the count in pitcher's counts, uh, he's, he's a really tough pitcher to hit. When the converse is happening, when he's in a lot of hitters counts, guys aren't chasing out of the zone, and then he's got a lot of traffic on the bases. I want to take our last break now. I want to leave some time in our last segment to get to some injuries, an update on Miguel Sano and uh, what Byron Buxton's dealing with right now. We'll have more with that as we wrap up our program next on your home for Twins Baseball. Back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. About four minutes left in our program. Corey Provis, once again, uh, joined today by Twins GM Thad Levine. Miguel Sano, his status today. Miguel Sano has been hitting on the field the last couple days in Minneapolis uh, and progressing, uh, which is very encouraging. He actually ran the bases today, hit uh, the guys who were there, said he was running at about 70%, reported some soreness coming out of it but nothing that inhibited his ability to run the bases and hit. So what we're trying to do right now is assess his ability to come back, A, as a pinch hitter, B, as a DH, and then C, ultimately, as a third baseman. We're hopeful that we're getting closer to that hurdle of the first one. 
of him being activated as a pinch hitter, ideally we get him back at least as a DH because with how our lineup's been going right now, which has been exceptional in his absence, imagine what we could do if, if we dropped him back into the middle of the order. Yeah, with the injury that he has, probably it won't be 100% until after the season is over. So per your point there, are you weighing, okay, if he's 30%, he's good. If he's 50%, he's good. Do you have a number that will tell you that physically he can perform? It won't be 100, but if he's 50% or 40, is he good to play? You know, I think in these instances, you rely heavily on the, the hitter uh, and the position player in this case because everybody's pain threshold is so different. So some guys are really able to perform at 50 to 60%. Some guys are incapable of performing unless they're at 80% or, or better. So... Lanning is working with him every single day, one of our uh, head athletic trainers here in the major league level. He's, he's asking him those questions each and every day. I think once, once Miguel gives himself the green light, then our medical staff will give him the green light. Then Paul will ultimately determine what role he'll play. And getting back to Hurricane Irma, maybe an option would have been instructional league to, to get him some at-bats and, and some simulated games, but that won't happen. Are we looking at he'll be reactivated and just – Right back in the fire? Well, I think that's an excellent point. You know, this time of year, you do typically send a group of players down who weren't September calls with guys you want to keep active. We don't really have that latitude this year with what's going on down in Fort Myers. We do have enough extra pitching up in the Major League level, so I think we can create some simulated-type games for him to hit in so that he's not just cold jocking it when he goes back out there, but rather has some experience, and I think that's what we intend to do on this homestand. Do you view this homestand as an optimistic timetable that he could be back based on the progress he's made this week, or are you thinking maybe the following three-city trip? I would just say right now his, he's, he's trending positively, okay. which is a huge step in the right direction, but you know, as I was referencing earlier, I think we first need to hear from him that he feels he's ready to go. Once he does that, we'll engage our doctors and determine whether or not they are in concert with him. Do you anticipate Hector Santiago throwing again this year? You know, right now I think it's not looking that optimistic. We, we have just not much of a runway left in the season for him to, to get back out there, and I think his health in, is, is more tantamount uh, than him getting back out there in a compromised position. He's a free agent this offseason, and we don't take that lightly for, for a guy who's been, you know, pitching for as long as he has i just think right now it's it's unrealistic to think that he's going to be able to pitch at the major league level before season's end last minute uh, we'll uh, wrap up with this and buxton had a great game last night homeward was on base he snapped that long over but do you see him fighting the hand injury offensively yeah you know and, and i think that's what fans maybe don't know right now is like how many of our guys are just banged up and so same with the royals you know every team right now is dealing with some degree of injury uh, Buxton is probably leading that charge for us. He, he's, he's got a, a real hand injury, uh, something that, you know, he's probably going to need some R&R this offseason, if not some medical attention. But right now he's fighting through it as best he can. Uh, it probably compromises him a little bit offensively. I think he, he may even be willing to admit that. His defense is just such an exceptional difference maker for us. So as, if he's capable to go, we're going to get him out there. And then last night we saw that he can also do some damage with, with his bat, and we know he can do it with his legs on the bases. As Chris and I were saying, too, on Friday, Twins don't win that game without him in center field. You can look at the box score and see that it was 0 for 5, whatever it was, three strikeouts, but they do not win that game without him on Friday. I, without question. And, and I would say this. like I think Max Kepler, Eddie Rosario, Zach Rennan are well above average center fielders. This guy is in a league of his own. Uh, the balls that he can get to in the outfield are exceptional. He's a difference maker out there. You don't rare, you, it's rare to see a guy who actually impacts the game as often as he does uh, playing the, the position of center field. Thanks for your time today. Enjoy the game. Thank you very much. Uh, we thank Thad Levine for joining us here for our Sunday program. Coming up, Chris is standing by with today's pregame show, then game four. Stay tuned. More to come on your home for Twins Baseball.